You're listening to The Big Possible Show with your host, Noah Scott. It's time to break through the limits and achieve all you can imagine. All you can imagine. Welcome to this episode of The Big Possible Show. Noah Scott here signing on with a very special guest today. So for today's show, we're starting off with an interview with someone who is a disruptive innovator. He's an entrepreneur and he has the drive for integrity and honesty and has had success with generational changes. Oh, and he's also given away over a billion dollars. It's time to welcome the fraud-busting creative and lucky Terry Rich. Welcome to the show, Terry. How's it going? Nice to be here, Noah. That makes it sound like a lot of fun, and it has been a fun life so far. So let's get started. Fantastic. So let's dive in. Just if you want to just intro a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. So I grew up on a farm in a little state, Iowa, in a little dinky town of 50 people. So on this farm, uh, growing up, I went to school to be a math major. And someone said at one point, hey, go over here. You can be creative. You can talk and make a living. I thought, I'm in. So I started in radio and television and began in cable television when I graduated from the university and cable television was unknown, but I got to work with folks like Ted Turner and it was such an entrepreneurial company. And like my dad said, you know, go to work for someone, you'll make decent money. And then when you turn 62, you're going to be happy because you'll get your social security. Well, at age 40, I, uh, found out that someone came in to take a run at our company. We were big New York stock exchange company. Cable was exploding and lo and behold, they cashed us out. It was a heck of a deal. And all of a sudden I found that uh, success doesn't happen when you turn 62. Uh, success is something that happens on the way to, you know, happiness happens on the way to success. And so at that point at that age, I decided to start my own company. I had some money and I started my own company and I did television production, live free previews for HBO. And it went really well for 10 years. I was making the money. I was traveling the U.S. and do, and selling a lot of HBO and it was going so well. But at age 50, you know, it hits midlife crisis. So I decided to try something completely different. And I got a call from an ex-governor who said, hey, they're going to close the zoo. We're going to take it over as a nonprofit. Would you like to run a zoo? Now that, hmm, well, I grew cattle on the farm. Why couldn't I run a zoo? So I took the job and uh, we took it from a $600,000 deficit zoo to uh, a zoo that became the second largest attraction in, in our state. And uh, all of a sudden cash flowed almost immediately. And we raised about $15 million in in endowments, but it didn't stop there. I was going to retire again. I got a call from the next governor who said, Hey, would you like to run the lottery? I'd never run a lottery before. And so, yeah, that's what I did. I ran the lottery for 10 years and gave away a billion dollars. And halfway through that, you can tell I like promotion. I like talking, but in fact, we had to become serious because we cracked the largest lottery fraud in U.S. history. And so today, I'm a professional speaker talking about how we cracked that largest lottery fraud and also on innovation, the different steps that people ask me, what would you do differently if you want to create something new? I talk a lot about that, too. So that, in a nutshell, is why uh, my last name is Rich, and it's been a fun, successful life in general. That's so beautiful. And the fact that you're, you're saying here that you started really your entrepreneurial journey at the ripe age of 40 is just so motivating. And I think encouraging for a lot of people that are listening, because, you know, you might, as you're starting out in life, it's, it's intimidating to think that, oh, age is creeping up on you. You can't do it. It's, it's too late. And so with that in mind, I'd love to just dive into 
I mean, there's so many nuggets here to talk about, but I'd love to talk about one of the wildest goals that you've achieved. You come out of college and you, you want to try to do something. You want to kill the world and you don't care what it costs. I didn't have any money. So anything I risked didn't really matter. Uh, you know, I didn't have responsibility. I didn't have kids, all that sort of thing. So I started in cable television. I did some on-air work and I realized uh, when I was doing on-air that I, I, didn't have a five o'clock shadow. So I wrote Schick and told him, Hey, I'll be on TV for you and do your commercials. Just out of the blue, sent him a letter. I got a letter back two weeks later and it said, dear Mr. Rich, we appreciate your interest, but uh, you failed because you wrote the wrong company. Gillette makes that razor. It isn't us, but I had this urge just like people do when they play Powerball. What would happen if I would have been able to do that and, and have this goal of being on national television and being successful. Well, about uh, six or seven years later, I failed again, but I got the opportunity. I failed because I had my little hometown wanted to have a centennial. They said, we have 150, 100 years here, never had anybody famous. You're our most famous person. I said, we're in trouble. Let's adopt someone. So we creatively decided to give away a free oil and lube at the local garage and a free cemetery plot. We didn't have much to give away. But I sat down at these things in the old days we called a typewriter and sent out press releases. And I hit the button one too many times and got 44 pieces of paper to send out. So I had to go to the library and write to the New York Times and London. And I just picked anybody that I thought would be fun. And I sent out 44 press releases saying we want to adopt a celebrity. Guess what? I failed 43 of the 44 times. 43 of the 44 times, but I got a call from a guy from United Press International named Bruce Ganner, and he said, we like the idea. We want to put it on the national wire, and I'm thinking, what's this all about? I failed back when I failed writing Gillette, but I got the idea, or I wrote check. I got the idea that I want to be on national television. Well, he put it on the national wire, and lo and behold, I got a call from the Carson Show, Johnny Carson's Tonight Show. They wanted us to uh, see if you know if we would do something with them, but we, we they said, we want to be first because you're going to get calls from all the reality shows. And I thought, hell yes, <laughs> you can be first. So we said, hang on. I hung up the phone to call my buddy, say, hey, we got a call from the Tonight Show. Here's national television. My opportunity, my one thing I never thought I'd ever be able to do, and lo and behold, I didn't get anybody on the other end of the phone. I heard this screaming from a lady who said, hey, 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 this is uh, Judy Steinberg. I'm with Good Morning America. We have two tickets to New York, and we want you here tomorrow. I said, hey, I can't. We've already committed to The Tonight Show. Well, they talked about doing a satellite uplink from Cooper, Iowa, and split screening with Johnny in L.A., and then they came out, did all the logistics, and lo and behold, they said, I don't think we can get it together. So they brought three of us out. We we're on for 20 minutes before a guy named Tom Jones. We got two commercial breaks, and lo and behold, we we're in front of 20 million people. But that's not where the story ended. What I found, it's better to have tried and failed than to succeed at doing nothing. Better to have tried and failed than to succeed at doing nothing, because when we did that, I heard about the satellite uplink. Remember, I was working for the cable company, and this is where I got the idea of doing an HBO free preview via satellite to the entire nation. And I took that idea back to our company, and we did it, and we sold $15 million in one weekend of HBO. And that's how my whole career took off, all because I failed back by sending that letter, but getting the urge, the motivation to want to be on national television. Then secondly, sending out 44 letters not just one, but 44, and they all failed but one. And lo and behold, that's the end of the story. You know what I love about that is that no one was asking you to really do that. It was, it was something that inside of a company, it wasn't your own company. It wasn't something that you created, but being an employee 
at a firm or you're able to get out there, push yourself a little harder, do something a little more than someone was asking you to do. And that's where the magic happened. And I think there are different steps when you talk about entrepreneurs, because in the early days, I didn't care what anything costs or if I lost money. I did. In fact, I didn't understand it. I was learning this cable company could not touch anything that didn't turn to gold. But once I made that success and they cashed us out in the cable industry, I started taking 10% of everything I made and said, this is my, some people use it for gambling. Some people use it for drinking. I used it to try to develop a brand new idea and not worry about if I lost that money. I gambled with money I could lose. Many people always try to bank everything and lose everything. And the more successful you, you become, the less risk you want to take, but you still want to have some money to play all of these different things that, that you're able to do. And even at the zoo, even though we didn't have money to do a lot of things, they said I'd take $2 million to do a new exhibit, which no one had. We looked for things like, well, we thought, what do we have a lot of at the zoo that we could use that kids would have fun with and bring more people in? Poop, right? Every animal poops. So, so we started an exhibit called Scoop on Poop. We brought it in and people could see what tiger poop looks like and kids would giggle. And it was so cool. And we realized that we have these white-tailed deer in our area and white-tailed deer, for some reason, even though they've never seen a tiger, repel when they smell tiger poop. So we were selling tiger poop in one gallon buckets for 20 bucks that you could put around your flowers and the deer completely avoided. And we sold $20,000 that summer. It's all about trying, not being afraid to try. And even if you fail, you take that next step. Failure is just the first step to success in what you're doing. You got to learn by that and take it to the next one. So the more success that I've looked at, the, the more fun it's become. And the final story I tell didn't come from me because every day I try to learn and try something new. And I drive to the grocery store, if it took me six minutes and 32 seconds, I'm going to try to get there in six minutes and 31, the next one. But Damon John, who's on Shark Tank, I am seeing an event with him recently. He's at the final step in this entrepreneurial uh, you know, journey. You start off, try anything. What the heck? crazy. I don't care what my reputation is. And then you make some money and then you got to kind of protect, but yet you want to be entrepreneurial. He's at the point where he's so successful. Everybody has that million dollar idea for him. He told me that he keeps a list of six things on a piece of paper at night when he goes to bed, he looks them over, thinks about them. And then the next morning he looks up and revises it. Those six things are something I've never thought about. And, and I'm so jealous of him and that the six things are things that he does that are for him. Because everybody's asking, you know, I, he could come out, he could invest in other million dollar ideas, but he's at the point now he keeps realizing everybody wants a piece of me. I need to do something for me. And the two things I wish I could do at 21, uh, one is I would always volunteer. I think anybody who volunteers, somebody says, we got to clean the bathroom, raise your hand when nobody else does, because you'll always get noticed. The second is I wish I could figure out how to relax once in a while, because once you get the success and the entrepreneurial feel, it's really tough to back it back down. You're always looking for ways to improve and new ideas to happen. So true. It's so true. I'd love to talk a little bit about luck. That was, that was something that I noticed in your, your intro. You claim to have a very lucky streak, but I'm also hearing some nuances that, say, that seem to say that luck is really created and it's not something that you just stumble into. What are your thoughts on the topic of luck and how do you people... How do people find a lucky streak? Uh, I think luck, it all happens right up here. And I'll tell you the reason why. Remember I talked about uh, coming up with, with new ideas and I started my own company right out of the, the cable company. 
And that morning, uh, I got a call from someone in Denver, the largest cable company said, Hey, like to have you help us out. Would you be interested? And I said, yeah. So I flew out. I was early. So I stopped by a McDonald's and got a, got a uh, cinnamon roll, two hash browns and medium diet Coke an awful breakfast in its own way for weight. But uh, I went on in and first thing they said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I have this idea of free preview and in five minutes he bought it. And I thought, Oh my God, I just started a new company. And he, I got one of the largest contracts in my life I've ever had, you know, five minutes into this meeting. Well, Every time I do a big event or I, I want to have a good day, guess what I do? I get a McDonald's cinnamon roll, two hash browns, and a medium diet Coke. Not so much that it brings me luck. It's that in my mind, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to try anything. I'm ready to conquer the world. And so I think it's a mental thing that happens with luck. And uh, when you do have success, you find ways to pump yourself up to be able to take that next step. Yeah. Very cool. Um, we were kind of touching on this with with the with the six tips, um, you know, from a guy from Shark Tank here. But in Terry's world, what are some practical tips that you would share with other people to either just maintain happiness, unlock your greatness, or just live with courage? Uh, I would say that uh, I, I, I learned this, and you know, I did it all my life, but I learned kind of how I did, how I would want to do it or how I did do it. Um, when I went and had wine and wine country in California, and that is, I thought that the uh, vineyards, the person who made the wine just went in the backyard and only took the grapes from their backyard. No, they go all over the Valley to, because there's different temperature, different tastes, different minerals in the soil, all that sort of thing. And they put them all in this big bushel basket. So they've got this great big bushel basket full of grapes and they find the right grape that they think will make the award winning for that year. And they make the award-winning uh, grape. And the same thing is my, I tell, and as I do my lectures, talk about there's this two-step process in coming up with that million-dollar idea. Process one is filling the bushel basket. Never judge. Every idea is a good idea. Write them all down. Put them all in the bushel basket. And if anybody within your group, I call them the no-mans, are the ones that go, oh, no, man, we've tried that before. No, you can't judge when you're doing a new idea. So you get all these ideas together in the in the bushel basket. And then the second step is prioritizing. You get the lawyers together, the accountants together, everybody together. And that idea will rise the top. And the top two ideas is what you go after. So it's a two-step process. And if you just can always worry and think about filling that bushel basket, and when you see something that's really cool, you write that down and put down there. And it doesn't have to be just... Uh, income revenue. It can also be expenses. I stopped by a, a hotel in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and uh, they had in the bathroom a box and it said exfoliating waste remover. What's that? And I looked at it and it had a hole in the middle of this box that you could see through. And I thought those darn accountants, they saw this bar of soap, which we all go to a hotel and you only stay one or two days. You only use about that much on the outside. They took a hole out of the middle and they put it on the sink so they didn't have to have two bars of soap. They only needed one. Now that's innovating. You can be creative, but until you do something, you're not gonna you're not gonna make any money. Innovation is where you make the money after the creativity. You can you can dream all you want about the best idea, but until you do it, you're not gonna make any money. And I have a million dollar idea as you talk about shooting the moon. Don't let me forget about it here in just a minute. That I okay, want anybody cool. can steal it. Okay, we'll jump to that in one second. I I, I want to continue with this because uh, it, it as you're talking about this these idea frameworks, it brought to mind something you know I learned in motorcycle school 
called SIPTA, where you, if you, if you encounter something, you first survey, then you inspect it, you predict what's going to happen, and then you make a decision. As you're going through these, uh, these ideas for innovation, how do you, what do you use for like a decision-making framework or what type of mental models do you, do you find you really enjoy applying when you're making these decisions as far as which is going to be the most innovative for you? Um, it's passion. Entrepreneurs are usually pretty poor business people. So when you start a company, if you have the passion, you make it work. When you, when I have a company and, and I've got all the employees together and we're innovating, somebody comes up with an idea. That's usually a pretty good person to execute that idea because they have the passion. What you bring with that, if you're an entrepreneur, is you want to have an advisory board who is the accountant and the lawyer and, and all of the different people to help you so you don't trip and fall in a big way, but you sure don't want them to stymie you. And the first start of innovation and, and trying to create an innovative environment is getting that bushel basket filled. So I think that's that's probably my best answer for your question. It works. That's, love it. All right. Let's let's hear that uh, that million dollar idea here. Okay, so when we started uh, uh, Mega Millions, Powerball and Mega Millions were in, in two different sets of state. We merged them together, and they said, do you have any ideas on promoting Mega Millions? And I came home, and I, I looked up, and I thought, look at the moon. You know how sometimes it's just a little sliver of a thumbnail? I thought, look at that whole dark side. What if we could find a laser or a spotlight or something that we could project the jackpot on the moon? We'd own, we'd own the moon. It's like a billboard. No one owns that yet. So we got to figure out a way to project a bright enough light to project on that dark side. And we could own that for worldwide. Think of the money we can make. Absolutely. There's a moonshot idea for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting. I think with Web3 and the metaverse and all this AR, who knows? Maybe someone's going to come that come up with that idea quicker than we think. I'm, I'm afraid it's because it's dark. We turn it on and you'll see all the rats running around with the cheese because it was, no. <laughs> yeah, but All right. Well, Terry, let's, let's wrap it up with one final question. And, you know, if, if we could sum up your most impactful life lesson to 30 seconds, what would that be? Or it can also be a piece of advice that you've heard from someone else along your journey. Um. I think it goes back to happiness happens on the way to success. Everybody is always talking about, you know, if I can just get this project done, if I can just get this podcast done, if I can just get the podcast edited and posted, right? I'm going to be happy. Well, happiness happens on what you're doing right now. You're, you're creating this thing and it's very exciting. And most people think that when I retire, I'm going to be happy. Or if I can just get through this, I can be happy. If you're not happy today, you're not going to be happy tomorrow. So enjoy the life as it is. In these crazy times with COVID and everything that's been going on, happiness happened on the way to success. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show. How do we support you and, and stay in touch with everything that you've got going on? Well, if you ever, I do a lot of uh, public speaking around the world, but uh, terryspeaks.com is the website. T E R R Y speaks.com is the website. Uh, but more than anything else, just let's go out and, and be successful and most of all, be happy. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the show, Terry. Have a, have a wonderful rest of the day out there. You bet. That's it for this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing out to let you know I appreciate you for being here. Of course, if you enjoyed the episode and want to share some feedback, visit Apple and drop a review. That review will help other people find the show, and it also gives me a signal that, hey, people are out there listening. And with that, may the rest of your day be filled with epic adventures.
and I'll see you right here for the next episode.